Well, hello everybody. Welcome to episode 251. That is 251. It's the ENS Wolves podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Judas. I'd like to be joined in person by the one and only Mr. Liam Keane. Liam, how's it going, baby? How was your journey back? Because it took me an hour and a half to get bloody back after that debacle last night. Well, that's why you should have followed me, mate. Danny M5. Much easier. Well, some of us, some of some of some of us live in, in beautiful posh Warwick, mate. So we can't all live there. Some of us have got to slum it in Dorridge. <laughs> slum it in Dorridge. Got without, to slum it, mate. Without a mansion. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. You know, wolves get battered. Um, I come in. You know, not much sleep in the office. Do, doing a bit of a half day. Yeah. Coming in for the podcast. Yeah. You know, do, doing my bit. Doing it for the team. What's the first thing you said to me as I walked in the office? Uh, or, you know, virtually the first thing, one of the first things you say. I don't know, did I acknowledge you? I'm not sure. What did I say? Well, apart from sort of looking at me, we would discuss like a bit of, you know, what I'm going to Oh, dressed down. Well, I didn't know I was dressed down, dressed down um, Thursday, whatever it is. I'm just wearing, you Mate, know, wearing a, a, casu- a casual shirt and black jeans and some smart shoes. What, so, what's the problem so it's there? office attire, which obviously means smart, you know, smart casual, but at the same time, you've got to normally wear a shirt. Kino's this wearing, is a shirt. Kino's wearing, um, for, I'm, I'm trying to. So if you can picture this, some very tight, skin tight black jeans, and I mean tight black jeans. And do you remember when? Do you remember when? Do you remember when? He's flexing now. And do you remember when (laughs) Barcelona wore that controversial jean on jean combo, which was their travel kit? I mean, this is not jeans. He's wearing almost like a jean Levi shirt. It's cotton. It looks. Like he's just about to go to Pop World on a night out. It's cotton. I don't know what's happened. I don't think you've slept. I think you stayed here. I think you're lying to me. No wonder you got <laughs> back last night because you're in here sleeping it off. Oh, but I could have done. To be fair, oh, we all need to drink. You know, one of the the first things you say to me virtually every time I see you is mm. there's always a comment about my appearance. I've just said it off there and I'll say it on air. What? It's frankly disgusting. Well, mate, you know, all I'm saying to you is that I'm surprised that you were, that you got out of Chelsea's uh, media room on, on Saturday because the fourth and fifth helpings... <laughs> you weren't the, there when I was of, eating. I had two. Did you? I had two. Was it good, though? It was bloody good. It was, it, was good, wor- it? it was worth it. It was good. It was worth the fact that I had no Wi-Fi and my phone signal was dropping in and out every five minutes. It was worth it for the food. Yeah, there was some, there was, there was some uh, profanities that you were... Uh, <laughs> wait, I was not happy about press happy box. <laughs> I was fuming. It's gone again! It's gone again! <laughs> Wi-Fi's gone again! But yes, I have that sponge pudding with an extra bit of custard, please. The, the poor old the poor old boy sat next to me doing some sort of radio or broadcast, whatever he was doing. I mean, some of the things I was saying to you down the line, I was mm-hmm. like, I was ready to box him up out yeah. of pure anger. Box him up? Is that another? Yeah. Is that, is that, is that another <laughs> I was ready to, to, cho- I did to choke him out. I'd have oh taken, I'd have taken the poor boy's life. I tell you what, though, honestly, I tell you, what, I mean, look, it was. It's nice to talk about something that was positive for a change. It was nice that they got they came back, and uh, I think we all needed that. But I've got to find this keynote. Um, let me find it now. Because someone said to me on Twitter the other day, or quite a few people said, let's have a look at where I can find it. I'll get through all last night. Here we go. Um, why are you and Keena wearing identical hoodies? Identical hoodies. Now, I'm sorry, what's the difference between, between our two hoodies there? Um, the colour. <laughs> well, no, I was going to say 350 quid, but anyway. Way! <laughs> Mine was cheap. Ba-boom, I'm here all week. Um, look, we're, 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 not, we're not alone, you know, in this room today. We have got a third person. We have got a third special person. No, it's not Mr. Tim Spears. No, it's not Mr. Joe Edwards. By the way, I hope it was nice 250, wasn't it? Did you enjoy 250? I did. It was very nice to, you know, it's a shame I uh, couldn't speak to them on the podcast because you, you know, you try and box me away like a caged animal. But um, <laughs> it was nice. It was nice to hear their dulcet tones once yeah, again. Yeah, so I thought we'd do th- 
three individual ones and, and merge no, it, it all It worked well. It was nice. I thought it was very nice. I apologise for the feature length presentation. I think it was over two and a half hours in the end. But look, if you got through it, fair play. If you didn't, I don't blame you. There, but there were some good bits in it, so I, I did enjoy it. But yes, third person in the room, um, Mr. Paul Manson. Wolves fan Paul Mansell is in the house. Yes, Paul. Paul, welcome. Hi, welcome. Yeah, pleasure to be here. We've been trying to organise this for a long time, haven't we, because of various COVID cancellations. So delighted to be here. And, and it's funny, I uh, only just now I've realised who Paul is. What do you mean? So when you said there's a guy called Paul coming in, I was like, Paul, I'm sure. And then he, he came in and I saw his face and I thought, I'm sure I recognise him. Yeah. And then you just said his surname and now I've realised who you are. I've seen him on Twitter a few times. Oh, you've yeah, seen yeah, him on Twitter? Yeah, so I've seen him, you know, he's in and around the Wolves sphere. Was he that? The, the Wolves circle. You always say, Paul Mansell, Liam Keane, you Villa fan. Absolute <laughs> douchebag. Useless knob. Look at uh, you wearing your, your burgundy cap again. Look, I'm, uh, you know, I couldn't be more delighted to have someone else in there, someone who brings us, you know... A bit of sanity. And I was going to say a delightful coffee on his, on his, on his, on, <laughs> yeah. on his way in. I mean, and, service is unbelievable. To be fair to Paul, yeah, like you say, Paul... Paul, Paul um, Paul DM'd me this morning. Um, I sent him some uh, very brief notes about, uh, when I say brief notes, they're probably about 20 syllables. That's about 1.40 this morning uh, as some prep. Paul looks like he's come absolutely, I mean, he's written more notes, I think, in front of him there than I've written in about three and a half, four years of doing this. So fair play. But yeah, Paul has brought in the coffees. He was the successful bidder. We talk about 250 just happened. This was back in 200, wasn't it? It was our live podcast. I think we did our 200th live one, wasn't it? For charity back in the old mm. lockdown when it was all crazy. And it was me, Mr. Jordan, and Mr. Spears, which had an auction. And one of the auction items was to come on here. And it's only taken 50 episodes, or 51 episodes, to get him on. Um, Paul won it. So it's going to be great to, to hear from Paul later on about, I think, especially from a fan's point of view as well, and Paul does a lot, um, he's on a podcast himself, does a lot of video work, obviously does a lot of charity work as well, so we'll hear about all that to come. Um, and um, like I say, sometimes we talk from a, from a frustration point of view, from a journalistic point of view, I know you're a fan, Kino, but at the same time, you know, we're on a, we're on a different wavelength, yeah. so I think it'll be very interesting to hear from Paul about the perspective from the fans, about what's going on on the pitch, off the pitch, and uh, yeah, it should be a should be a good little chat. Um, I was hoping to to start with something nice and fluffy <laughs> with with cream and um, and cherry on top. But uh, anyway, Wolves won uh, Manchester City five. Kino, Kino, Whew. Kino. I, I was gonna I was gonna say this before the podcast, but I thought I'd save it for it. You know what's strange about that game is that uh, we discussed on the video after the, after that even though it was one change. It was very much, we knew there was going to be a lot more attacking. And so it proved. When it went 1-1, I thought, game on here. When it went 2-1 City, I still thought, game on. And ridiculously enough, and this is probably me thinking, what are you doing, Judah? People are probably you know, throwing stuff at their, their radios at this moment in time. They go, they go in at 3-1 at half-time. They get applauded off. And I'm thinking, if Wolves get a goal, the next goal in that game... The way it was going, I thought I, I would not have written Wolves off in that game. If they scored, like, you know, start of the second half and it was 3-2 and the crowd were back in it, I, I wouldn't have put it past them to equalise it. Look, it was the De Bruyne masterclass. How did you feel watching the game? You've watched the highlights, so you've got to maybe chance to chance to react and analyse. What are your takeaways from that match? Yeah, I think um, in hindsight, that third De Bruyne goal 
I mean, by the way, what a finish it is. I mean, it is, it's a top draw finish, just absolutely rifle with his left foot. Um, That's one of those where you just got to, and we were in the press, it's just like, you just got to applaud it. Yeah. It's what, what a goal. Yeah. In hindsight, it, that probably is the nail in the coffin for us. I, I agree with you that, you know, they say a, you know, a two-goal lead is always a dangerous one because a team gets one goal and they're, they're right back in it. It's happened to Wolves on the, on the other end of the spectrum plenty of times uh, this season as well. But in hindsight, that's the one that kills it because yeah. it's so quick after the second one. It's 24 minutes in and it's a, you know, he's got his hat-trick. And, and, that, and I think that, for me, that, that kills the game. And then Wolves come out in the second half and, you know, bar Giacchino maybe coming alive on one or two occasions, they didn't really threaten massively. Um, really, the, the, the sum up for the whole game is that I felt the Wolves were just chasing shadows, and particularly in midfield. Um, I, I have to say, all, for all three midfielders, to be honest, weren't, weren't great. Dendonka finished off a, a very good goal, but struggled to impose himself. Neves, I felt... You know, if you look, go back and watch the highlights, for I think three of the five goals, he loses his marker. Uh, his positioning and awareness really is just it's just not on par with, with what we're used to. Um, and Matini, I think, gave the ball away too too many times. For the De Bruyne's fourth goal, he doesn't look over his shoulder or react to the to the ball quick enough, and, and it drops to to the Belgian um, for his fourth. So there's all three of the main mistakes, and I just think they couldn't cope with the you know the guile, the speed, the agility, the technical ability of, of City because Rodri, Gundogan, Bernardo Silva dropped into space, De Bruyne had you know the run of every option in, in between the lines as he wanted, um, they just they ran the show uh, and, Wolves, and Wolves couldn't cope with them. Um, do you think tactically this was the, I mean this in hindsight now, but they were obviously more open, they, I thought Chikini did well offensively, defensively, obviously he's got work to do, but he's not a wing-back either. He made a few good tackles and interceptions, but you're right, yes. he, that isn't his position. No, yeah, for, for certain, not. especially when, when City can take the ball off of you and move forward at pace, and with so much, I mean, like you say, it could have been 7 or 8 or 9. That's how crazy that game was, is that they've lost 5-1, at 3-1 I still think they're in it a little bit, and yet they could have lost by 8 or 9. That's, that's the, I guess, a world-class side, that's what they can do to you. In hindsight... When you look at that team, and I think a lot of people were kind of pleasantly surprised when they saw Chiquinho in the starting lineup, would it not have been better to go with this team against Norwich, or even even more attack against Norwich, and maybe just hold things back? Because look, a point last night, and they're still back. They still got a, a faint chance of of European football. You know, it's five points now. It's basically six. It's all but gone now. Uh, European football now for for next season. Was it a mistake last night, or do you just think that they just caught City on a on a bad night on, on on a good night for them, and a bad night for Wolves as well as defensively they were poor? It's probably a bit of both, really, because you you know a lot of fans have been calling out for for the back or Chiquinho starting or this more front foot style, which we have seen and have been promised by by Bruno, but I think of late hasn't really come to the fore. Um, as soon as he you know he delivers that or in some way delivers that, I think partly. Their, their early goal last night and within seven minutes forced Wolves into playing that way a bit more as well um, you know now all of a sudden people are unhappy with it because they've been gumped 5-1 mm. um, my opinion it probably wasn't the right time you probably do it you know I think the video last night I was sort of thinking oh, you know maybe you know, don't blame them for having it a go giving it a go rather but you look at Norwich coming up it's probably the game to do that isn't it you know, if you look at the fixtures but Again, you know, a lot of fans asked for it, and, and they got what they asked for. And, and Wolves rightly got beaten by what is just an unbelievable world-class side. Paul, you were there last night, um, as you are every week. 
what what are your what were your takeaways? I guess just before when you saw the team at half time, were you one of those those um, those fans that were were clapping the team off, even though they were three one down? And then and then what were your thoughts uh, full time? Just kind of like just like an overview of of what what your emotions were during the evening. Similar to what you said, really. Um, bizarrely, at three one, I still felt that if we could get the next goal after half time, then we still had half a chance. So I, I applauded the team off at half time. Um, is that because is that because you enjoyed watching it, even though it's been so poor recently? I mean, what is it? Newcastle, Brighton, Burnley, um, and I know obviously they had the better you know a better result against Chelsea. But from a from a home Molyneux point of view, that was. A pleasing-ish, I guess, half of football for for a couple of months now. Yeah, I felt that we offered a fair bit more going forwards actually than we had done, and had I think we had a good claim for a penalty with Zinchenko's foul on Chiquinho, and if you get that to make it three-two just before half time, you're very much, very much in the game. Um, another thing to take into account, I think that Man City scored with almost every shot they had, mm. so it wasn't like. We were conceding chance after chance after chance and Saar was keeping us in it. They were so clinical. And I actually think if Man City were a country and they were in the World Cup, they would have a very good chance of winning it. They're that good. Um, another thing that I thought from last night is the difference between the teams, not just in technical ability and movement, but physicality, closing down. Even when they were 4-1 up, 5-1 up, the pressing that Man City do was frightening. Mm. Speed um, as well, involved in that as well. Wolves seemed slow, didn't they? Exactly. The sprints closing down, um, that requires such high levels of motivation, but I'd imagine their fitness levels are off the chart. Mm. And I mean, maybe we'll talk about that later, but I think that's something that we need to do better off as a, as a team. So the physicality impressed me of Man City, the closing down, but you have to say, um, I mean, I, I've had a season ticket since... 1991. I've never seen an individual performance mm. as good as that from from one player last night. So, absolutely outstanding. Yeah, it was it was different class to watch, and sometimes you just got to you got to sit back and applaud it, don't you? Uh, and, it was... and by the way, I mean, how anyone can put Kevin De Bruyne and Bruno Fernandes in the same sentence is beyond me. By the way, oh. I mean, <laughs> that is just that blows my mind how anyone thinks he's even close. He's not even a fraction of the cost of of, uh, of De Bruyne. De Bruyne is head and shoulders above that man. I, I, I didn't know people were doing that, were they? Well, not this season really, but last yeah. season, maybe beginning of this season, them two, there was a lot of people saying Bruno Fernandes, you know, he's, he's, he's better than De Bruyne. Not even close, not for me. Not no, I mean, KDB's great. I mean, Fernandes is very good, don't get me wrong. But yeah, it's just the packaging. I mean, KDB's got to stay fit. That's the problem, isn't yeah. it? You know I mean, he's yeah. got to stay fit. But when he's on song like that, he's, he's, he's unstoppable. Um, Kino, look, no Bruno last night on the touchline again. That's the second yes. time. Um, obviously out with COVID, and and uh, Tony Roberts out with COVID as well now. So so we we, we got a new man um, on the on the front lines. Uh, so so that's the two games that he's missed now at Chelsea and and obviously last night. We're hopeful that he'll be back. I'm pretty sure he'll be back for for Norwich at home. Anything uh, that you can? I'm not saying excuse wise, but with Bruno not there and and, and on the touchline, do you think that maybe? a little bit more difficult or a little bit maybe um, easier to swallow because you haven't got the, the gaffer there? I think it's um, in some ways it can make it a bit easier to swallow because there is a there is a really made excuse there, isn't there, to be honest. Um, but it is strange, you know, when you don't have a very vocal, animated leader like Bruno is. Um, when you haven't got him there and you've got a staff that are not any less dedicated but probably not as big a character or, or louder you know louder personalities when you haven't got that that's you know, that's definitely going to make a, 
make a difference for sure. I mean, Tony Roberts is a very big character, and he did I thought a very good job for the pre-match press conference and the post-match for Chelsea. Mm. And he wears a hoodie well. <laughs> he does. That's just Paul, by the way, when yeah. he's wearing his Wolves Castor hoodie. I've got to say, I'm, absolutely superb. I'm jealous I didn't, I didn't get one of them. You got one through your contacts mate. and you didn't sort me out. So. Oh, sorry, mate. Next time, next um, time. Yeah, the, you know, then losing him within a couple of days of that is, uh, to, to COVID as well is difficult. So, um, and, and just on that as well, in terms of the, the Norwich game in, uh, for Bruno, we're, we're in a sort of stage now where it's just a bit of luck as to whether we're going to have him for tomorrow's press conference, tomorrow being Friday and then Sunday's game because... You know what COVID's like. It's a, it's weird how it affects different people, and I know some people. I think we got a colleague Lewis Cox who tested positive for 10, 12, 10, 11, 12 days in a row uh, a few months back. So it just really depends how lucky Bruno is, and if he t- tests negative today or tomorrow as to mm-hmm. whether he's doing the, the press conference and then the game Sunday. If he's unlucky and he tests positive for 10, 11 days in a row, he's probably not there on Sunday. So um, yeah, ho- hopefully he'll be there. Fingers crossed. And the likelihood is he will be, but it's just a bit of luck, really. Um, but yeah, I think it makes, of course it makes a difference. You know, he's he's been taking training via from distance outside, mm. um, which is you know sensible. He's been doing things over Zoom uh, at half time and, and pre match and post match with the players. But it's not the same as having him there in person, having him on the sidelines, having him there. You know, but he's making the calls. I guess he's, he's he is making the team. The calls, yeah. um, substitution last night: uh, Trincao and Huang playing up front. Fabio Silva not to get on. I mean, that is. I saw Fabio's reaction when that happened. I See, think. I, I missed that. What, what, what oh, was the just fuming, just fuming. Couldn't believe it. Like, just absolutely beside himself. Uh, I think Raúl comes off, kind of kicks his headband. Yeah, he threw it to the ground. It. Yeah, um, in frustration, as you can understand it. And I'm pretty sure Raúl Jiménez will be playing up front against Norwich on Saturday. I mean, try and keep him off the pitch against Norwich. You'll be, it'll be a hard thing to do. And I'm sure, hopefully, the goals will come. But at the same time, uh, if you're Fabio Silva, if you're going into this summer, knowing that you know other forwards are getting on ahead of you in a game where you're losing, we need to score four goals. I'm mean, not going to do it, but you think that you get a token, Fabio Silva. He's had his chance recently as well. Um, it's going to be a difficult summer for Fabio Silva because Wolves are going to have to, I think, sign another striker. Where does that leave Fabio Silva? I know there's five substitutes next season. I don't think if you're Wolves, you can get you can take Fabio Silva and and, and send him out on loan to a Championship club. Because if he bombs at the Championship club, then then where's that resale value gone? Obviously, he's in he's in next to nowhere. If he goes abroad and doesn't do anything as well, and you've got a Catroni situation on your hands, um, so I can only see him staying at Wolves next season in the first team. But if he's staying at Wolves in the season in the first team, when you bring another striker in, does that mean that he's third in line for for more starts? And he can't he can't get a game now. He can't get 15 minutes. It's a, it's an interesting conundrum. And what of Wolves' own making, by the way? Mm. They're the ones who have spent the money. They're the ones who have agreed it. So these are the ones who have got to sort this. I'm not going to say mess out, but, you know, you talk about Wolves spending big money in the summer. Well, they've spent £65 million on Nelson Semedo and Fabio Silva. Plus, you know, so they have spent money. Um, I'm not saying Nelson Semedo's, you know, I mean, Nelson Semedo's a very important part this season. He's been a lot better than what, what he was last season. But they've spent £65 million on these two players. It's a lot of money. So you've got um, well, you've got a question. You've got a question to, to answer, really, haven't you? In the summer, this might be a, a bit too dramatic because he is, you know, still very young. But it does feel really make or break this summer with him. Um, he's of course weighed down by the by the fee and the expectation and um, and everything that comes with it. But you know, whether Wolves do sign a striker or not remains to be seen. But what we do know for certain is Bruno Lard wants another striker. We we know that he said it openly. So. 
they'll certainly be in the market. They'll certainly be looking. Whether they sign one, as I say, is, is another matter. But you know, if if they bring one in and he and he drops the third in the pecking order, you know, it's not exactly great for confidence, is it? It's not exactly mm-hmm. a, you know, a, it's, it's a damning indictment really on, on on what he's been able to offer this season. Um, the only thing that m- might save Fabio from going out on loan, well, there's a couple of things. You know, the club have made a massive investment in him, and, and is it a great look if they send him out on loan? Probably not. Yeah. Do I think he needs a loan? Probably, but then you made the very good point that you're taking a risk. If he goes out on loan and bombs, his confidence is shot even more than it is. And if you send him out to absolute Mickey Mouse league, then yeah, it's, exactly. it's, it's, it's a really difficult situation yeah. and a delicate situation, not just for, for Wolves and the transfer fee and a resale value, but also for the confidence of, of, a, of an upcoming player yeah. who wants to play top class, world class, you know, European football, really. Because yeah. that's what, I mean, look, Jeff Shee's said he, this, is the, this is the wonder kid in the world football. I mean, they're all big, you know, um, song and dance of him saying this is the this is the biggest striker, this is the main striker in world football. Well, look at this moment in time. You know, you look at you look at you look at the amount of minutes he's getting on, and he's still to score Premier League goal this season. Um, it's deeply concerning. It, it really is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's you know the reasons he may not go out on loan, as I say, in terms of the investment and the, and really the perception of sending him out on loan after you spent that much money on him, regardless of his age. You know, yeah. If you have a striker of that age, a lot of them do go on loan and they get experience. Mm. But because Wolves have spent the money on him, yeah. they, they may be very reluctant to send him out. It's, I know not, th- like, it's not like a Morgan Gibbs-White scenario, No, exactly. It? And, and uh, you know, they considered it in January. They, they certainly did. But his performances around that time, you know, he came on and did a very good job away at Man United briefly in that, in that win. And he, made a, he had a, good, uh, a few good performances and, and they decided to keep him. Um, but one thing that may save him even if they do sign a striker may save him and keep him at Wolves next season um, is that they can make five subs next season and I think that will drastically improve the, the, the minutes he has game by game because Bruno's, Bruno's you know, alluded to it he said uh, it was around the 30 game mark so it was like talking about six games ago now uh, he was quoted and he, you know, it was obviously on his mind because he mentioned it pre-match and post-match and mentioned it about three or four times to say that in 30 games 18 times I've had to sub out either my right or left wing back so that takes either one or two subs away straight away off the three he's got and he's had he's wanted to bring Fabio on in games that he's not been able to basically so the five sub rule is really going to help Fabio I think but does it a player like him need to be starting games that's, well, that's the that's the question will, will it help him though because you know you bring a third striker in the mix you've got to think that Fabio Silva's going to have to really get ahead of Raul Jimenez or this other third striker for him to be starting regular games. Now, I understand that a lot of these games he's been a substitute for, but if you're a prospective buyer, let's say somewhere down the line, and you're looking at Fabio Silva's stats, for, and I know this is very qualitative, not quantitative, but he's made 62 appearances for Wolves. He's scored four goals. He's made 21 appearances this season. He's scored zero goals, and you've spent £30 million on him. What's his resale value at this moment in time? I mean, I hate to think, to be honest. Um, but like I say... Hopefully that'll help him out. There should be a lot more games for him to play next year, you'd have thought. Um, but we'll see. And, and I think the formation could be key as well there mm. because Bruno has alluded to, and of course we know what his style was like at Benfica before, he's alluded to to making that switch. And it's had to be a gradual switch to potentially fall at the back because of the players he inherited, the system they're used to playing for so long, four or five years under, under Nuno. Um and, and, you know, there wasn't really many changes at all to, to the squad. It's not really his squad in terms yeah. of the players he wants and, and the sort of profile of the, of the forwards he wants. So if he's able to make, you know, incremental, gradual changes to the squad, the formation change will come with that. How dramatic a change that is this summer, we'll, we'll, we'll see, obviously. And the formation change may or may not come with it, depends on how many transfer changes there are. But let's say they do change and it's a, a four 
uh, 2-2, or sorry, 4-4-2 rather, something like that, 4-2-3-1. If there's one or two strikers in the starting eleven and they do sign a striker, that gives Fabio, I think with the five sub rule as well, opportunities to start, to come on more often than he has done this season, I think. Just um, just sending a questions tweet out uh, live because we haven't put one out yet, so hopefully we get some questions in in the next 20 minutes or half an hour. See, Paul, we're, we're normally a lot more organised than this. So. It's like, oh my, it's like a sleep, mate. This is what it does to me, you know what I mean? By the time I've got to get back, I'm tired. I haven't had my main meal on the night, so I haven't had a chance. I have a little bit of coconut yogurt. I've got to let the dogs out. I've got to get them a walk. Got to get them a pee and a poo. Got to put them to bed. Then I've got to, you know, put them to bed. Put them to bed. <laughs> We're all in the same bed, mate. You know what I mean? Oh, Alana's away. Alana's away. So you know, I'm meant so. Um, you've got to sleep with someone. God forbid the smell in that bed. Oh, right? mate. No, they're clean, mate. They, they smell beautiful. If there's any smell, mate, it's no, coming from me. You, mate. Yeah, I was going to say it's coming from me. <laughs> Right, the good, the bad and the ugly, and I'm not talking about the three in the bed. Uh, Wolves against Man City. Um, the good, Mr Paul Mansell, what would you say was the uh, the good player last night that you'd like to uh, pinpoint and talk about? I think the fan base would be unanimous in saying that's Chiquinho. Yeah, too um, right. I think he had a fearless performance. I think he provided a genuine threat to Man City with his blistering pace. What I really like about him is how, is how direct he is and how how keen he is to get balls into the box. That's something I've been so critical of in terms of our lack of goals this season. For me, simply, there's not enough balls coming into the box, and especially early enough. But he, it seems to be a big part of his game, and I think we need to really tap into that for next season. So he was a massive plus. And for me as well, I felt sorry for him because he's not a wing-back. And if you are going to trial him as a wing-back, surely Man City is not the game to to do that. Mm. So he definitely deserved to start. And for me, it should have been as a wide forward. Um, So Mm. given the fact that it was his full debut Mm. and he was playing against such a great side, I think he comes out of that game with a lot of credit and he gives fans a lot of hope um, for the rest of this season and and moving moving into next season. But... Question I'd ask is why has it taken so long for him to have his first start? When we signed him in January, he got an early sub appearance, I think, and showed a lot of promise in that. Mm. We've barely seen him since, and Bruno's even uh, put Chen Campbell on ahead of him away at Newcastle. The Newcastle game, yeah. Mm. So I don't know why he's been held back for so long, but he does offer a lot of hope moving forwards. Yeah, you make a really good point there. Um, He's been very good, I think. And like you say, he's always made an impact when he's come on. Um, very strange that he, had, he was he was at wing-back. I think it was a lot to ask a, a yeah. lot to ask of him. What we did say afterwards, actually, uh, and Paul mentioned it there, is, is that I think 100% he's earned himself a start against Norwich. I agree. But I would want to say him on the right-hand side of that front three. We saw Trink, him start ahead of Trincao last night. Okay, it was a different formation, but the fact that Trincao is still not starting games, even though he came on against Chelsea, scored a, scored a worldie, kind of says to me that, look, they've, they've made their mind up on Trincao. He's not going to be a Wolves player next season. Uh, because, and the trying players now who are going to be with Wolves going forward. And I think that's the right thing to do. I think it's the right decision, to be honest. I know that people will still say they want to sign Trincao, and you can say ifs and buts, and well, if you want to swap you know, Adame, I mean, it's just not how it's, the world works, unfortunately. So I think if they've made that mind up, which it looks like they have done, then you've got to play your players who are going to be here next season. For me, I would like to see Trincao on the right, I'd like to see Pedro Neto on the left, um, and I'd like to see Raul down the middle. 
and then you've got other people to come on. You've got Huang to come on. We, we, I don't think Daniel Pedence is going is to be there, but you've got Huang to come on. You've got Trinkau to come on if needs be. You know, you've got Fabio Silva to come on if these guys are not doing it. And you give them the go. You give them three. You know, I think um, Jimenez got 17 minutes last night. Again, came off with about 19 minutes left. Pedro Neto got 17 minutes. So it's not like they play the full 90. They've got a bit of. I think Sunday's game, isn't it? So they've got yeah. a few days to to chill out now. That's the front three that I would go with. What, Paul, would you would you like to see Chiquinho maybe in a more elevated position, maybe on that right-hand side? Definitely. And I think you'd see a knock-on effect in terms of Jimenez's productivity as well. Mm. And if you cast your mind back a couple of years ago when Jimenez was having a real purple patch for us, it was when we'd got Traore playing on that right-hand side, getting crosses in. Um, and that's, that's where we can really get the best out of Jimenez, I think. So... I'm in favour of um, perhaps a 4-3-3 uh, in, in forthcoming matches where, you, like Nathan said, you've got Chiquinho on the right, Neto on the left because I think we've been using him a bit too central as well with Jimenez as the focal point of the attack. That's what I'd, that's yeah. what I'd do for Sunday. I think you look at Chiquinho as well. He's, um, he, in some ways he is different to Troy Roy, but I think in some ways he's very similar. He's explosive, he's exciting, and he gets fans off their seat. Um, and one thing he does that is different to Troy Roy, uh, I think for all of his positives, Troy can be criticised in that he, he never really trapped back. He, he's not a defensive-minded player, is he? even though he played a couple of games at wing-back. Um, Chiquinho will race back, he'll win the ball, he'll do his, he's tenacious, he'll do his best to win the ball, and, and he works hard. For a, for a young man, he seems to have a very good work ethic. And one thing, you know, whether, you know, I think there's a lot of fair criticism for Wolves' recruitment and spending in terms of ready-made, starting eleven, you know, spending a good amount of money type of players but I think there's a lot of, of you know uh, credit to be given really for the kind of small buys and the gems that they've picked we look at your, you know your Pedro Neto for example who cost what six to eight million whatever it was mm. at the time um, Chiquinho was three million could go up to 4.25 million with with add-ons I mean that's a snip in today's market mm. and for me I think he looks a real talent I've been really impressed with him and he's a kind of player that I think would benefit with not going out on loan next season. I think he, I think you know, Wolves keep hold of him, supplement the squad alongside him as well. But I think he can, he can, you know, he can make a difference in in the opportunity he gets next season. I've been really impressed with him. So that was the good. Kino, give me the bad, please. Who's, who's, <laughs> your, who's your bad player? Um, yeah, it's it's not a name I ever really wanted to say, but I'm gonna have to go Ruben Neves. Ruben Neves from last night. Mm. Um, I'll start by saying that he's an exceptional talent and has been one of the players of the season this year he's an absolutely brilliant but last night was a, a shadow of himself uh, and not only a shadow of himself but a, you know he was chasing shadows as I said at the beginning of this podcast um, when it comes to marking City three, as I said three of the goals um, I think I've counted that correctly when, when I watched the, the highlights three of the goals he, he lost his marker uh, positioning awareness totally off he looked a yard off the pace uh, I saw a few suggestions online that he looked disinterested I wouldn't go that far I just think it was um Perhaps too much for him coming back from the injury. You know, he's played he's played the last three games, having started all three of them. I know he came off in the in the, in the other two, but he just looked tired to me. He didn't look ready to play. Um, similar to actually to when he started against Brighton, and he didn't look ready at all to play that game um, in his forty five minutes. So I'd have to go with with Ruben. I don't think he, apart from one or two decent cross field passes, he didn't really get a foothold on the ball and make much of an influence with it either. Um, and it just left Wolves chasing shadows, as I say. And the ugly. Judah. Hey, hey, <laughs> you've been hanging around me too many times. Um, I'm going to have to say the defence because yeah, Wolves have not fair. kept a clean sheet for a long time now. 
Um, and they are at sixes and sevens at times. They really are. And, and making mistakes and giving the ball away. Not just this game. I mean, Chelsea as well, there were defensive errors and there has been. What's happened? What's happened to this amazing defence, which is one of the best defences in Europe, let alone the Premier League, not so long ago, where they look like, I mean, it's a knife through butter at times. So, so what's, what's happened? Is it, is it a confidence thing? Is it an ability thing? Is it a formation thing? Well, what, what's, what's gone wrong defensively for Wolves? Because all of a sudden, they're on the negative goal difference now. Um, you know, they've gone from positive to negative. They're minus three now in the goal tally. I mean, losing 5-1 will do that to you. But at the same time, um, look, they look they look like a lot of teams can score and, and run the score up on them, not just conceding the odd one. I mean, there was times when Wolves couldn't score and if, if they were conceded, then it might have been a 1-0 defeat. But teams are running the score up on them at the moment in time. That's not what I've seen um, about Wolves for, for a long, long time now. Yeah, I think, you know, start by saying that, again, a lot of them have had very good seasons overall, but... Recently, probably you could go back as far as maybe a month and a half, two months. I think um, that I think it, a moment, momentum and confidence is, is a real is a real thing. I think once mistakes start creeping in, all of a sudden they multiply, and and that becomes a running theme. Um, you look at the first goal last night. Um, Johnny's position, I think, is way off. He gets he gets sort of pulled inside out of position. I think he was caught in two minds really, having normally be being a, a wing back and then obviously playing on the right of the back three. He gets pulled inside. Cody comes across and just misses the run in behind him where De Bruyne runs into the space. Bolly doesn't track him. And, and really, all three of them made, the, made an error for that first goal, I think. Um, and when you just you know highlight that, of course, you know City and De Bruyne in particular, they're running off the ball is, is you know, it's telepathic. You know, they're, they're incredible at it. But you have to be communicating. And there was no communication there at all. You know, you watch that first goal back and Cody turns around after De Bruyne scores it and almost says to Bolly, you know, where's the where's the shout for, for the run? Because he just lets De Bruyne drift in between the two of them. So What's happened to Willie Bolly? Mm, um, it's funny you say that, because I don't think he's quite been as error-prone as some of the others recently. Um, but No stakes last night in Donker. Yeah. Um, Sice, for me, is although I think he's been a great servant towards, he looks like his Wolves career is coming to an end, mm-hmm. or it may already be over if his injury's bad enough. That... Um, his, you know, his, his, his uh, sorry errors, mistakes recently have been far, well, been far too many of them. I mean, he's been he's been shipping goals really, um, hurried on the ball, panicked, out of position, and and the same can go for a few of them. Uh, bar, you know, yeah, you know, bar those two mistakes at Chelsea, they had a very good defensive performance overall at Chelsea, but the mistakes cost goals at the end of the day. Um, I think it, they just need a bit of a refresh. They need a restart. I think the season could probably end now, and they'd probably be happy because they need to. They need to just take take stock, really, um, and, and come back. Because they, they, you know, they're still very good players. Mm. You know, they, they they kept as many clean sheets as they have and had a very good defensive record for a reason. They just need they just need a, it to finish now, to be honest. Paul, where do you sit in uh, Molyneux? Sit in the Billy Wright upper, not far from where you sit, actually, for, yeah. for home matches. OK, so Billy Wright upper, I mean, with the, with the people, obviously you get to know the people around you and kind of like the... The section, from what you've seen this season, uh, Matt Molyneux, um, taking it, you know, like I say, as a whole, not just the last five or six games. I mean, you talk about the last six games. There's only Norwich who have got a worse record than, than Wolves in the last six games in the Premier League, which is astonishing, really. Watford have got us the same amount of points as, oh, as, Wolves have, as Wolves have had. But you take it as a season. You, I mean, we've discussed about Bruno, I mean, we only a few months ago, a couple of months ago, we discussed about Bruno was up there with manager of the season, really. And uh, and it's taken a turn for the worse, and I feel like the fan base have, have almost 
if you read it on social media and you, and you listen to things that they've turned, have they, have they turned? What's your kind of opinion of this Wolf squad of, of Bruno and the way that the, the current dynamic uh, of where things are heading? Are you optimistic? Are you do you feel like it's been a good season overall, or um, are you slightly frustrated or, or, or annoyed with with the way that things are coming to a conclusion? Yeah, I don't think you can label the season as wholly good or as wholly bad. Um, if you take into account the period from September to January, we were taking nearly two points a game, and that would have put us fourth in that period of time. So that's quite a sustained period of time to display Champions League standard form. So that's obviously a real plus point. That was built on a really solid defence. Yes, we weren't scoring many goals, but you felt that if we could keep a clean sheet, we could nick games, and often that was the case. However... Since the 19th of December, when we drew 0-0 at home to Chelsea, we've only kept one clean sheet at home. That was against Watford. Mm. So in five months, we've kept one clean sheet at home. Away from home in that period, um, since um, Man United away, only two clean sheets. So I think teams have worked out that we have a weakness at the back in terms of balls in between the full-back and, and the centre-back because I think we lack a bit of pace. Mm. And I think Brighton exposed that very well. Mm. I think Crystal Palace exposed that. And Man City took it to another level yeah. last night. But to come back to the overall kind of position, um, at the start of the season, I would have said we'd finish somewhere between 12th and 14th. I wasn't very optimistic. Same as what I said, yeah. Yeah, the last season was really uh, demoralising. It felt like a real backward step mm. after two really good years. We weren't scoring goals last season, um, and that's been carried on into this season. But compared to where I thought we might finish, you have to say it's exceeded my expectations. Compared to where our wage bill stands, mm. which I think is 12th, our wage bill's about 12th in the league, you could judge that as a success, that we're overperforming that. And considering that there hasn't been a big net spend for a substantial period of time, you have to say that overall we're doing better than what we thought we might have done. However, when we when I went to Goodison Park in March, we beat them 1-0. And to me, that was the kind of performance that really showed um, we were in control and we were heading for Europe. And I thought at this point, great, I can't wait, to, can't wait for the draw for the <laughs> Europa Conference League next year. Since then... It's dropped off at quite an alarming rate. Um, people will have their own views and opinions as to why that is. But if this form carries on for the rest of the season and into next season, you do have to worry. But I think overall, um, I'd say there's about a 60-40 split among the fan base of people who back Bruno Large to still take us forward next season. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that 60-40 has probably gone from 90 to 10 to 60 to 40, so it's changing pretty quickly. Um, and I, I guess the question is, and probably one for, for another podcast another day, is will Fosen spend money? And if they do so, will they trust Bruno uh, who, to, to, to have his type of football? Because I think you've got to do it. You've got to let the manager. If you're going to hire a manager, you've got to back him in the way that he wants to play and the plays that he wants to get. And I'm not saying that Bruno Large is going to be the big all and end all. And it, it, what he says goes, it is a committee. We know it's going to be a committee. But at the same time are you going to allow Bruno to play his brand of football because um, you know Ferguson haven't got trust in him if they've seen it and they're, they're kind of like what have you done for me lately and they're talking short term then then maybe they might not so it'll be interesting to see it'll be an interesting summer what I would say Paul is that um, you, we, and we all we were all kind of like on the same thinking between 12th and 14th 
Wolves could finish 12th this season if they continue to lose the next two games. So, you know, Villa have got some really easy games to come. Makina will know about the Villa's next fixtures uh, coming uh, up. It's unbelievable. So, um, I can't get away from so, it. Um, Brighton are playing Leeds. Uh, Leicester have got a couple of easy games as well. So, uh, And Palace have as well. So, look, Wolves, Wolves have got to beat Norwich on Saturday. And if they do, then they won't finish 12th. But if they don't, and the worst case, worst case scenario happens, then uh, they could end up finishing 12th. What I would say is, God help them if they be, if they lose to Norwich City. Oh, um, you know, we all talk, we all talk about sixty forty Bruno. You said there, Paul. I mean, regardless of you can't put you know you can't just because you know game by game and and you've got to look at the bigger picture. If they go and beat, if they go and get beat by Norwich on Saturday, who cannot literally not only just win a game, draw a game, they're getting battered every single game, home and away. If you get turned over by Norwich City side there, then I think that will. Well, I don't want to think, but it will be a toxic with a capital T. It really will do. And this is the same Wolves side who failed to score twice against Norwich this season already. So there you go. There <laughs> yeah, you go. Bear so, that in mind. <laughs> so anyway, well, we move. Let's let's move away from that. Uh, let's talk season tickets. Season ticket prices have come out, uh, Liam. They came out yesterday. Uh, it's a good thing they came out yesterday morning and not uh, yesterday evening uh, after the game, I think, uh, because uh, there has been some rise. Was it yesterday or the day before yesterday they came out? Was it yesterday? Uh, Seems a long time ago. Uh, no, it, it, no, it was Tuesday. A couple of days ago. Tuesday, yeah, so a couple, Tuesday, a couple yeah, of days yeah. ago. Good thing they did it before Man City. Um, look, there, there has been rises across the board. I don't think anyone was, was slightly was surprised by that. However... Um, maybe not so much as what people were expecting. I say not as much as people were expecting. In the current dynamic, that's kind of folly, really, because it is a very difficult financial climate that we are in at this moment in time. Um, and, you know, people, are, you know, the money isn't going as far as what it used to do. Uh, what, what are the changes? What are the differences, Liam? And, and, and where do you see it? Yeah, so, um, you know, it has gone up, as you say. Um, it's not as big a hit as it was for this season. Um, I think you were looking at, in certain areas and certain age groups, you were looking at around just over 100 quid rise for, for some people. Um, we're looking at uh, an average for adult prices, an average of an increase of £46. Uh, and then for over 65s, an average increase of around £63.50. Uh, as I say, not quite as bad as last time, but still, I think in this climate, not not necessarily welcome news. But I, you know, I will say that a lot of fans actually... I thought was a fairly positive response to it because you look at, you know, staff are going to need maybe ten percent rises across the board to match inflation, things like that. So they, Christ, they, I'd take that now. <laughs> Where's the editor? Let's get him in. <laughs> they've got, you know, they, they, they've got demands to meet as well. But at the same time, they have to make it affordable for for Wolves fans to to watch their club mm. and and Wolverhampton and the Black Country in general. It's not a, an affable area. Mm. People work hard for their money and they have to be able to go watch. The football club that they love, and I'd be really interested. Obviously, you know, Paul pays this kind of money, mm. so I'm interested to see what, what his thoughts are in a second. But well, you say staff need ten percent rises, but why do the fans have to be the people who make that? Like the fans are earning the money as well. Like, do they have to be the shortfall in making that up? Is it why is it always with the fans and not you know? It's going to generate about a million pounds extra, I think. These rises, that's right, yeah. yeah. So a million quid, um, and I'm not saying you know, of course, Fosun are a profitable business, but would it not have been of you know? A brilliant take if they could say, look, we're, season, we're, mm. we're freezing prices here. Now, Aston Villa, for instance, have, have uh, for their lowest price season ticket, they've increased it by 40%. Yeah, 40% yeah, right, yeah. after getting £100 million for Jack Grealish. Incredible, isn't it? And spent a load of money uh, of signing. Some have worked, some have haven't, and yet they've increased it by 40%. So I get that this is 
um, a lot lower than others. But for the sake of a million quid, and I say a million quid, when it comes <laughs> to a, right, when it? it comes <laughs> to a football team and it comes to a franchise yeah. like Wolves, yeah. from a goodwill point of view and the way that things are going, could could they? Of, of, of frozen ticket prices, or do you feel that that this is this is almost you know not acceptable, but but fair enough? It's it's a real tough line to toe because if I had it my way, um, you know I would like to see a, a similar system to what they do in Germany, where fans have a, a much bigger financial say in clubs and, and the prices are a lot are a lot lower. Um, I think football rapidly for a lot of people will become unaffordable, um, and that's across the board. That's not just that's not just Wolves. Um, that's my personal. That's my personal view. Unfortunately, it's not realistic in the Premier League in England at the moment. But it's it's just the way it is. Um, but you look at sort of what Wolves are trying to do with the season ticket prices in general, and that's really the reason for the big hike last year as well in prices. Is that they're trying to align themselves with the clubs around them: Villa, Leeds, Newcastle, Everton. Um, these kind of size of clubs, and I suppose you know talent of squads, in that they don't want to be. Underpricing the, uh, I suppose the, the product they've got an offer, which is not a very nice word, product, but it's the it's the reality of what it is. Uh, the product they've got an offer, without making it you know incredibly unaffordable. Um, you also have to look at the you know the cheapest prices. Um, Wolves in, inevitably there'll be a table. You know some national newspaper or broadcaster will do a table in the next few weeks probably with the cheapest ticket uh, season ticket prices across the board, and Wolves probably won't fare very well in that, for reasons being that. Certain clubs um, put sort of anom- an- anomaly prices. If I can get mm. that word out, yeah, you did in, in, in there. <laughs> I tried yeah. um, in their in their season tickets where they'll West Ham, for example. Yeah. Will, they've got a round up. They've got a very small number of tickets around two hundred and fifty pounds yeah. season tickets, mm. and then they've got some tickets that are fifteen hundred pounds. Yeah. So similar with United, their lowest price is five hundred something, mm. uh, which is below Wolves' lowest, which is five ninety mm. for an adult ticket. That mm. is. But then equally, there's a nine hundred pound sure. ticket for Wolves. So yeah, they're not daft, are they? Yeah, exactly. So certain clubs do that to make themselves get a bit of you know good PR in in that table that would inevitably come out at some point. Wolves' gap between their smallest, uh, sorry, their, their cheapest ticket, which is five ninety for adults, and their most expensive, which is seven eight six for adults, that gap is one of the smallest in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. So their their prices are very close together. Now, by no means are they the cheapest in the Premier League, of course. They're somewhere, if you split the table into three, Wolves are around that mid-table. Yeah. And that's what they've been trying to do. They've been trying to align themselves with where they have been consistently in the Premier League. You know, they've had two seventh-place finishes, a 13th, and now they're on course, hopefully, for an eighth-place finish. So Wolves really see themselves now as, a, as an established, consistent Premier League side that's going to finish around those positions, with aspirations of going higher, of course, but around those positions, and they wanted to align the prices with that. Um, whether you agree with that is is one thing, but that's that's the reality of it. Um, just to focus as well, just to, for for people that may not be aware, the and again, this is not my opinion. This is just the fact of, of, of what they've done. Um, the over sixty five prices. So I talk about last my in, lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> last year into this season, the, the the massive hike. I think there was one area that was a hundred and four pound hike for over sixty fives. Um, this year, as I say, the average is around 63.50. Some of them are 61, some of them are 69. It's around an average. Um, the reason, really, for, for those hikes, bigger hikes in the, over 65s, is that the average in the Premier League percentage of an adult ticket for an over, over 65 is 70%. Two years ago, Wolves were about 55% or 53%, sorry. Okay. So they wanted to bring that up to, I suppose, bridge the gap yeah. and 
keep it at around the average for the Premier League, which means that really over 65s have taken the hit for the last two years. But it does mean going forward that unless there's any major changes, there shouldn't be huge any you know, huge hikes as there have been the last two years, particularly last year. Um, whether that's welcome news or not, I don't know. Um, so yeah, there's, there's there's several reasons for it. Um, and it, really, it's to align themselves with the clubs around them and their, and their consistency. And then, for, just to finish this point as well, um, they've done a handful of, I suppose, initiatives, if you want to call it that. And I, I know this is not an excuse for putting prices up, but I think it's important just to give people the context of what they have done. So they've done a, you know, a handful of things. They've got rid of the direct debit cost, which was a £20 uh, one-off fee for paying direct debit, which... I know this is a normal thing in ticketing across the board in other sports, but I don't really understand why you have to pay a direct debit fee, you ask me. But anyway, Wolves have got rid of that, which saves 20 quid for people. You're now having, you, you can now spread the cost over nine months rather than six months, which I think will help a lot of people. Uh, anyone who had a ticket for the Olympiacos game two, two years ago, uh, which is behind closed doors because of COVID, of course, uh, and, they have, and they still have a season ticket now, that will get taken off automatically off their price as well. They've waived the 50p admin fee for tickets, I think £6 fees uh, for season tickets in terms of um, processing tickets mm. and things like that. Small little things like that, it, it's going to help, mm. definitely going to help. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to change the world for people, but I think it will definitely help. And, and really, if you look at the landscape, for a lot of people, they spread it over nine months means they probably pay less over each month, although they pay more in, in, in the grand scheme of things. Thanks, Kino. Uh, small ballot as well, I think, for away fans as well. Yeah, now, that's right. Which yeah, five percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, you know, and I know obviously the, the, the point system, which we could go on and on about uh, the debate on point systems, but at least there's a, a small ballot now, for, so everybody has got a, a bit of a chance to get into a to an away game, which which is good to see. Paul, how much has your has your season ticket gone up? Um, I think it's gone up by fifty pounds because I'm Billy Wright Central. Okay. So, yeah. The most expensive area. Yeah. So fifty. Just quid. over the average then for an adult ticket. So fifty quid. I mean. Um, yeah, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it. What, what do you think about the changes and, and obviously your own ticket? Um, current environments, do, do you feel you're getting value for money? And also, were you expecting um, were you expecting about this kind of a rise or were you disappointed or quite pleased? No one's ever going to be pleased when you're told that the price of something is going up. But I think there are lots of positives to take from, from the announcement, such as the removal of the direct debit costs, the 5% ballot, the new age category, 18 to 21, that's quite a big jump in the past when you've gone from paying um, a child's ticket and all of a sudden you've got to stump up for an adult's ticket. Yeah. I think it's good to have that transition. Yeah, sorry to quickly, oh, I forgot to mention that they've frozen the prices for that. They've introduced it as a new age bracket and frozen the prices. I forgot to mention it. It's a good thing Paul's on well, the Well, that's why point. we've got Paul. That's, why, you know it's, it's that's just, why he's on nice the have a, Nice to have an expert in for once. Yeah, exactly. I mean. Yeah, exactly. Well, I've made some notes, so um, <laughs> I mean, more than I do. The, I think their argument is going to be twofold. Number one, there's about ten thousand fans on a waiting list for a season ticket. Yeah. So, in simple economics of supply and demand, mm. they'll be thinking, well, if we do put the prices up, and two thousand people think I'm not paying that yeah. to renew, well, big deal because someone else will come and take mm. their place. Their other argument will be. Well, this brings us in line with other Premier League clubs of a similar stature. But I don't really buy that line because, to me, why do we have to be a sheep? Why do we have to follow other clubs? Why don't we set a precedent and say, well, we can do something better and different to what they're doing by maybe even um, freezing or reducing the prices to book the trend? Because is the reward of this extra £1 million or so from this price hike does that outweigh the risk 
of alienating fans. And to me, I don't think it does. I mean, most of the money that comes in to the club is through Sky. Mm. So I think this was a great opportunity in a situation of difficult economic circumstances for people to make a statement and say, we're going to be better and different to what other clubs are doing. So I would have liked to have seen that approach. But like what you said, I think it could have been worse. Yeah, definitely. Could yeah. have been worse. I, yeah. I don't disagree with anything Paul said, by mm. the way. But um, just to give you an idea of sort of where the club are coming from. And again, it's not an excuse from coming from me because I, I, I for everything, I agree with, with Paul. But um, I think the the club really do value, you know, you look at the size of the club and, and how they're trying to grow the the markets and, and bring your revenue in. They they value the ticketing revenue probably highly, a lot more highly than other clubs do as well. You know, it's a good eight-figure fee to mm-hmm. ticket over a season. So it's not the same as uh, as as TV revenue, but it's it's a it, it means a lot to us as well. So I think, but I think probably backing up your point, it's going to be even better received if Wolves now go into the transfer market yeah. in in the summer. And, and put that money to good use. I think if they do that, fans can forgive it, can't they? Yeah. Um, and, and of course, having the extra time to pay and all the things you said, I think is right. But at the end of the day, I, you know, as I said at the very beginning, my personal opinion is I would love to see, across the board in English football, fans pay less for what they see because you, you see that in Germany, you see it elsewhere. It's, um, it, unfortunately, it's becoming too expensive for a lot of people. Yeah. And, and where's it going to end if the prices do keep going up and up and up? I think there's got to be a ceiling at, at some point. Um, and, and one thing that I will say, just on the subject of ticket prices, I've got two young children, yeah. um, both under the age of 12, and I think their tickets are priced really reasonably. So for FA Cup matches, it's just cost me £5 to take them. Mm. And even for Premier League matches, in the middle of the Billy Wright stand, £15. Mm. So I think that's reasonable. Um, that's a word that I'd like to see associated with season ticket prices moving forward, reasonable. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Good stuff, right? Uh, let's move on to. It's interesting. Interesting. Nice to have a fan's point of view as well, especially from a, it probably timed it right. Maybe not on the result, but um, but from a season tickets point of view, it's good to good to see someone who's paying the money. You know, the, the hard-earned money week in week out. So uh, appreciate that, Paul. Um, <laughs> I asked for some questions because I've got to put the questions to you. Oh, how many have we got? You sixty? Huh? Sixty. Fifty-two. Oh, close. <laughs> Fifty-two close. questions. Uh, so let's. Um, I'm just going to obviously can't answer them all, but we'll do a quick fire, okay? Quick and, fire. And uh, Paul, obviously, you know, we'll bring you into it as well, sort of thing. Here we go. Um, a lot of them seem to be, and I've just uh, flicked through them very quickly, um, about Bruno, as you can kind mm. of understand a little bit. Uh, Steve Brown says, No doubt this eighth position basically since early December has been a big problem and caused apathy in this squad. It's flattered us to deceive in reality. This is a poor league. And next season, without major investment, I worry. Taxi for Bruno. Sorry, he says. <laughs> he's not happy, isn't he? Yeah, he's not happy. I saw him at the end last night. Sorry, Steve. I was uh, I was um, uh, away with my thoughts. But um, look, a lot of people aren't happy. I'm going to uh, scroll through some of these. Um, let me have a look. Uh, I'm sure there's a few more. Uh, Ronan Gibbons, how long do you think Bruno will last? Uh, Mitch Davis, if Wolves don't win again this season, could Bruno be sacked? Um, you know, there's, there's quite a few. Will, will Will Bruno be here next season? Will be here for the first game of next season? Are you Bruno in or Bruno out? Um, it's changed quite significantly, hasn't it? And like I say, Twitter, you can't always take Twitter. You know, people who are on, on, on social media as well, some people will just look at stuff. Some people will obviously have... Um, have a have a view, whether a very positive or a negative view, or a forthright view, a passionate view. Um, from a subsection, maybe it's maybe it's not the best thing to take, but there did seem to be a lot of people, and I've kind of collectively put them together, 
who aren't happy with the situation. Um, what what do you think? Well, I mean, they've got, they've got a, a right to be unhappy. I mean, they, they pay the money. They're yeah. going to be paying more money, <laughs> yeah. aren't they? So you know, they're more welcome to have their, their view, and that's what we've got to. You know, that's what that's part of the reason why we've got this podcast here is to, to air their views and to discuss them. So I think they're quite right in what they what they say. Yeah, of course. When you look at the the record of Lay in the last couple of months, you know, they've got every reason to be to be unhappy. I think it's it's probably slightly dramatic to say that Bruno's time's up. I think he there's a lot of context around it that he needs more time, particularly when you look at. As I say, that he's not really had much of an impact in terms of transfers yet. I think he needs a, a big summer um, and an opportunity to to really mould the team in his own vision. Um, but you know, it's a big it's a big game on Sunday. Not because I think Wolves push the button and get rid of him if they lose, but you know, it, it goes a long way towards good favour heading into the summer if if, uh, if he can get a win on the. Uh, on Sunday, it's a big game, I think, for, for that reason. But um, I think there's, there's plenty to do there. There's plenty to do for, for Bruno. I think he, you know, Paul's alluded to it already that they they have exceeded a lot of expectations this season with the squad mm. they've got, the depth of it. It's got quality, of course, but they've had injury problems across the board as well. Um, I think you've got to remember that up until probably February, this team was in the top four race at one point. I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, Oli Oli says, uh, do you honestly think Bruno will be here for the first game next season? I hope so, personally. I know a few people here were saying that that they hope that Bruno will be, but they also said, I have a funny feeling Fosin might get rid of him due to the poor football performances that we have seen lately. Now, I don't think that's true, and I think I do agree, Liam. I think that Bruno will be here next season, I think, hopefully, and I think he's earned the right to... And Wolves could finish eighth this season as well. The eighth, they they could quite easily finish eighth. Um... I think he's earned the right to start next season. I think he's earned the right to, to have a good go and, and play the kind of football that he wants to play. However, another Norwich game that get beat by Norwich. I know. Then it's and it sounds stupid. That sounds stupid because you are putting a, a pressure on one game of football when maybe you shouldn't do. But you just feel that that if they haven't, they're not turned. There's a few doubters who are in there. There's a few doubts kicking about. And if they do get turned over by Norwich, and I don't think they will for one second, but if they do, and then they get beat by Liverpool, which is probable, you've got to say, at Anfield at the end of the season, and then you're going into the off-season, there's a lot of question marks there, isn't there? And in what is going to be a transitional season for this football club? There's a lot of, que- there's a lot of question marks, mm. certainly. Um, I think, really, a lot of this reaction, it doesn't come down to individual performances. I don't think you can look... Last night, losing in the context of that game, losing to Man City, and and thinking Bruno has to go from this. I think the, the disappointment comes from the missed opportunities Wolves have had. How many opportunities have they had to make seventh their own? I mean, had they taken some of those chances earlier in the season, and by earlier, I mean probably the last few weeks, they could be four, five, six points clear in seventh right now, uh, and West Ham would be in eighth easily because they gave them so many opportunities to take it. Those missed opportunities, is, I think, is what gets fans angry the most. So. I don't think it's a reaction to last night. I think it's more that, and when you take that in, you know, the results as a whole over the last few weeks, they're not they've not been good enough, but the performances as well have been disappointing. So they have to put both of those right against Norwich, and I think they will. But it's just a banana skin, isn't it? It's a banana skin. Yeah, uh, Paul. This is a question for Paul, so I'll put it to you first. Um, will the game at Anfield be Connor Cody's last game in a Wolves shirt? If not, what part will he play next season if they go to a back four? Well, your thoughts on Cody? I mean, we talk about this as the dilemma. Um, Connor Cody obviously been an incredible stalwart for Wolves. Uh, England, current England international, will probably go to Qatar as a, in the England team. Um, what do you think? If Wolves do go to a back four next season, do you feel that Connor Cody will be here? Do you feel like he's part of a back four? Do you think he should play in a back four? 
I sincerely hope that it's not his last game. I think what he brings to the club is we'd soon miss it if it wasn't there. Um, there's a lot of talk about this Cody back four uh, business. And for me, he can definitely play in, in a back four. Okay, he's not the quickest and we have been exposed in that area this season. But I think when he's got Samedo on the one side, who is quick, Aitnuri on the other side, who is also quick, and whether the, the other centre-back might be someone like Kilman, who's also pretty quick, I think, as well. I think the what he brings to the team would outweigh the drawbacks of his potential lack of pace. Um, his leadership being one, for instance, but how many... How many blocks has he has he made this season? Um, his organisational skills, his ability on the ball, and Gareth Southgate sees that as well um, and picks him regularly for England. So for me, I know a lot of fans will disagree and say that he can't play in a back four, but I believe that he can, and I want to see him leading our team out in August. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks, uh, thanks, Paul. Um, look, there was a great result for Wolves last night. Wolves women. There you go. Wolves women. Wolves women podcast. Uh, Liam, how good were Wolves women goals last night? And also, how good a feeling is it to beat them lot in a cup final? Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit, very quickly about 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 Wolves women. Not very quickly because we we are running out of time. But we're going to be talking a lot more about them with with some big games to come or a big game to come. One big and, game and to come. one massive game to come. But uh, look, they've been great all season. And, and look, I, I guess uh, thirty thousand wish they'd gone to go and watch that last uh, last <laughs> yeah. night. Yeah, when the when the men's team didn't quite do it, the, the women turned it on. Um, yeah, I mean, they went 1-0 down in, within four minutes uh, of the Banks against Albion. Um, but after that, I mean, they've beaten Albion twice in the league this season. Um, and then what after that, I mean, four minutes after going down um, within four minutes, they, they equalised. And, I mean, it was one hell of a strike uh, from Amber Hughes. And, and from then, they, they dominated. Uh, I mean, Maz Gauntlet got a, a great sort of half-volley finish. Um, she was being, and this might be a polite way of put it, putting it, she was being taunted by the... Albion fans, a section of the Albion fans, quite ruthlessly oh, really? in that in that first half, um, and probably for, actually throughout most of the game, she scores in the think 36, 37 minute, and she goes right over to them and gives them some right. Yeah, I love it's absolutely brilliant to watch. Um, oh, I can't watch she, that. She's given it a little bit on Twitter as well. Uh, yeah, so I, I love that to be fair. Um, and, and yeah, I mean they yeah they they scored a penalty. Tammy George got a, a, a nice finish. The keeper probably should have done better, but a nice finish from 25 yards as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they, they're they looking on, you know, in really, really good form heading into this really tough game on the 21st uh, in, uh, where is it again? Stockport. Stockport, that's it. I was trying to remember where it was. Uh, against Southampton. Um, it, yeah, I mean, Southampton, by all accounts, I think have th- thrown a fair bit of cash at it in the Southern League mm. and have got a, a good team. Speaking of Dan McNamara, the Monu game a few weeks ago said that uh, we're going to be underdogs going into that um, but I think he likes it that way so even though he's not going to be there because of the REF service I think he yeah. likes it that way um, but Wolves have got a great chance and it's going to be a great occasion Well you talk about proving a point Liam um, prove a point here because Edward Wibbley's back we like Wibbley Wibbley Wobbly he's been uh, he's, he's always <laughs> Wibbley Wobbly he's one from the old school to be fair I love that Wibbers how's it going son uh, is Liam pleased Villa is signing Philippe Coutinho? Oh, it's unbelievable. What? It's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable signing, you mean? Grow up. Pardon? You, you and Wibbers. What are you talking Grow about? Up. What are you talking about? Shocking. It's absolutely stunning. Absolutely stunning. You got you got some more sick abuse of the week, didn't you, this week? 
Go on, tell yeah, the piece. Yeah, it was. Um, I I hadn't seen it until I forget. So I forget the guy's name on Twitter, but he tagged me and you. Well, there's a lot of people who would, who, would, who would talk about it, not just one. But carry on. No, but, no, but this guy, the, the one tweet that I did see, because he tagged mm. me and you um, with a screenshot of the YouTube comment. Uh, under if, strangely enough, it was under the fans video after Chelsea, not even the, the two shot of me and you. I mean, I wasn't even in the fans video, so I don't know why he was talking about me. Um, <laughs> obsessed, Liam. Obsessed. I, well, this one guy is obsessed because he comments on every single YouTube. The thing is, he probably listens to this, or he's at least aware of it, and he probably knows that we talk about it, and he probably just does it for attention. I just changed that alias so, on there. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. So we should probably stop, you know, bringing attention to it because he absolutely he probably loves it. He probably gets a real kick out of it mm. at home when we talk about it. I do. Um, but anyway, he's some little loser sat in his basement. Wow! Who's, uh, Here we go. This is the king <laughs> I want to see. Who's you? Uh, he, he sits there eating his Doritos, commenting about me. Dorito? Uh, cool. Are they cool though? I tell you what, I cool. love. I love oh, cool Doritos, incredible. They are, but I love the hot ones as well. Oh, no, the yeah. cool 100% for oh, me. Yeah. Cool for you? Or <laughs> cheese or hot? Flaming hot. Cool with a hot dip. Oh, yeah, to be fair, I'll tell you what, he's got all yourself. Yeah, don't mind that. Yeah, this guy commented um, something along the lines of what the Express and Star keep letting him do reports he's useless or whatever, I don't know. Mm. Um, and then some, someone replied, it's on the YouTube comment, someone replied saying why, and he said, the guy's a total ballend. Mm. <laughs> wow. He, he, uh, I, don't, I don't have to edit this. It's been fine so far. Now I have to edit it. You can't, can't say that. You wanted me to tell you, you what, what he said. He said that. And then he said um, he, he's, uh, he's a Villa fan through and through. Um, if you watch the videos after the video game, he's really upset about Wolves coming back and winning or something like that. And then said, my, my brother went to school with him and he's a, and everyone knows he's a Villa fan. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this guy's probably like 60, uh, sat, probably about 20 stone, sat having... Ain't <laughs> nothing wrong with 20 stone back in the day, I'm telling you that. <laughs> Some loser in his basement. Oh dear. Right, okay. Um, I've got a last question. Let's go last question before we preview uh, the game on Sunday. Right, um, Evitz, Jacob Evitz says... Where do you see Mosquera fitting in next season? Back on the bench last night, Yusuf uh, Mosquera, uh, obviously not used. Uh, we talk about a back four or back five or back three, whichever way you want to call it. Can you see Yusuf Mosquera being that person um, next season? I mean, look, we can all talk about his injuries, horrific injuries, obviously this year. Hopefully finishing the season fit. Um, will Yusuf Mosquera be that person to come into a back four? Um, could you see him... Been a part of the first team going forward, uh, Paul and then and then Liam. It's hard to comment really because I've seen him play seven minutes against Tottenham in <laughs> yeah. the cup. So I'd like to think he's been signed with that in mind—a quick, dominant, central defender. That's probably why he was brought to the club. So let's hope that he can do that. Uh, it remains to be seen whether he's got the ability to do it because we simply haven't seen it. So it'd be interesting to see how he gets on in pre-season. Um, let's see what he can do and go from there. But regardless of how he does in pre-season, they do need to invest in that position because we've been playing recently with the same back three that we still had pretty much from the championship days. So regardless of Mosquera's progress, I do expect them to sign another dominant mm. uh, centre-half. Yeah. Yeah, you echo those thoughts? Yeah, I think so. Mosquera is is the type, of, exactly the sort of profile and style of the centre back that Bruno wants. He's athletic, he's quick, he's tall, he's good in the air, good with the ball at his feet. But as you said, Paul, so we, we haven't seen him for the senior team. I've seen him for the under twenty three a few times. He looks good, um, but that's a you know it's a different kettle of fish than playing in the Premier League. Um, I totally agree with Paul. The preseason will be big for him. He'll probably feature quite heavily in that if he's fit, um, because I think that they'll want to have a real good look at him. Um, and, and then it depends on that but I, I agree again they have to sign a, a centre-half size is probably off 
it wouldn't surprise me if Willy Bolly is the type of player that may look for a fresh uh, start somewhere else. I think they need one or two first eleven signings there with sort of Gomez and Mosquera backing them up. Yeah, um, last one, sorry, um, I'll answer this. Uh, nothing but Neto says, what's the status of the US tour? Um, I think now uh, the situation that were, they, were, they were holding on it because obviously they didn't know where they were European football-wise and Conference League-wise. Obviously that can change plans. So it's, um, even though not technically, technically out of European football, because I think it's five points between them and West Ham, I think once they realise that they won't be in Europe, which I know they won't be, don't, don't, don't start screaming at me, but then I think they'll be able to, to put some firm plans in place and I'm sure there'll be an announcement in due course. Uh, right. Wolves against Norwich at home. And for, I've, got to come, I've got to get the train for me. I'm in London this weekend, Kino. Uh, the old little mix. It's, it's, the, it's the end of the tour, Sorry. mate. It's the end of the tour. So I've got to go and um, uh, support the missus um, as she uh, moves all the stuff out. She's actually back on tour a day, a day afterwards. She's gone on a little world tour. So I'm going to be... It's me and you, mate, till November. I Me, mean, you and the dogs. <laughs> it's you and your own, mate. I'm off on the She's going away with um, oh, I keep Charlie. Charlie so, XCX. Charlie what is before. it? What is it? What, he, he, we was, I think, what, I mean, what game it was, it was fairly recent. I think it was yeah. the Brighton game. And Charlie. he turns to me in the press in the press room and goes, yeah, have you ever heard of Charlie XCX? Can, like, you have, can you have X, is XCX like a thing? I don't that? know, mate. Or is that just like a, like a like an XCX in like a, end of a text message XCX or XXX? Your guess is as good as mine, mate. I could not tell you. So apparently she had a big song. She's had a few big songs. She's not like she? you know, the biggest pop star on the planet, but she's she is pretty big. She does all the big festivals and well, stuff like that. Well, go, so she's going to Glastonbury. She's going to England. She's going to Paris. She's going to Cannes. She's Japan. going to Japan, South America. America? Christ. Where are we going? <laughs> Liverpool. On last day of the season. Um, I'll see if we get accredited. Right, okay. Um, what was against Norwich? I guess from what we said this this <laughs> this last hour and 15 minutes, it's actually quite a big game, uh, Liam. Team-wise, what do you expect to see? Um, they've got to pitch it right, but at the same time, you know, uh, the... <laughs> You want to still go attacking, don't you? But at the same time, you've got to... Th- I mean, look, Norwich haven't got Kevin De Bruyne in their side, which is which is a good thing. But at the same time... Thank God. At the, at the same time, play for them. <laughs> do they box clever and go a little bit less gung-ho? Or do you feel they stick to what they've set out, their stall now, and just go and win the game, hopefully, you know, win by a few? I would love to see them give it a go and, and, and maybe go four at the back, 4-2-3-1, 4-4-2. I'd love to see them try it. Um, I, I'm not convinced they will with it being so close to the end of the season but what I think will happen is I think Ch- Chiquinho will keep his place I think it'll be him Neto and Jimenez as a front three rather than him, uh, Chiquinho playing wing back I think Johnny probably moves back over there and it depends on Sight's fitness Totti Gomez probably comes comes in uh, and I think that's probably the right call I think Totti Gomez has deserved enough opportunity I think as well he, he looked good when he played he was a little bit off it in that win at Brentford, but not. So you're back three. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I, then, and then, what would you have then? Just this is what I think. Field? This is what I think they'll do. Okay. And I think, and in the two midfield, I think you go Neves, Martinez, then Donk on the bench. Then Donk on the bench. I think Johnny back at right wing back. Aitnoy probably keeps his place, and then the front three of Chiquinho, uh, Neto, and, and Jimenez for me. Would you be happy to see that, Paul? That team? Yeah, I'd be happy to see that. I think nobody wants to see five at the back at home to Norwich. I don't think you can do that. As I said earlier, I want to see Chiquinho higher up the pitch. I want to see Neto back out wide. I think that's where he's best. And I'd probably like to see a 4-2-3-1 um, kind of formation. And I Do think, you think he does it though in this game? Do you think he goes four at the back? Why not? I mean, Norwich have got 
a more anemic attack than what we have. <laughs> so why do we need five at the back? So who would, you, would you drop then? Who would you? Have? You want to have Totti Gomez in? Would you have Cody and and Bolly? Would you say? No, I'd go Connor and Totti Gomez. Okay. Um, I think um, the fan base think that Willie Bolly's days probably a bit numbered. I think he lacks a bit of mobility now. And this is a great opportunity uh, to recall Totti Gomez and see if he can build on the form that he showed mm. back in January. So. I'd play them too as a, as, as a back two in this particular game. Perhaps not at Liverpool. I think you have to take a different approach there. Yeah. But for this particular game against Norwich at home, I think we've not only got to win, I think we've got to win well mm. to really show that we still have some fightiness, that we have some flair, that we can go out and really dominate yeah. a team. I, I, I don't think he will go for the back, but I'm the same as you. I would like to see it. Um, but then on the other side of the coin, if it backfires and they lose... Uh, and they're all over the place in defence and they lose to Norwich. I mean, it, it's not a great look, is it? So uh, that's why I think he will stay with five, but maybe go with a more attacking lineup. I, I'm going to pause in what the team I would pick, although I think that if we're looking at what Bruno will do, I think I think it'd be more likely to be to be your team, Liam. Uh, the one the one person I would say uh, who might get a shot from nowhere and probably will have a good game because it is against Norwich, hopefully, is, you know, he, he loves Huang. I would not be surprised to see Huang in that starting line. No, I agree with you. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, maybe at the expense of Neto if they want to rest him for for Liverpool. If it's you know three games in a week, I don't know. Would you say or not? That he's in terms of fitness, he's probably the most likely. Um, which Kino, being a young lad, young lad who's just had his first start, I can also see him dropping out. Even though he played well and he probably deserves to play. Would he do that? Would he drop Chiquinho? Because a fan place would be like. Well, Trincao came on and scored against Chelsea and didn't didn't get a look in it. It's true against City. Very true. So I think he's made it clear, and he said this openly, but he also makes it clear, Bruno, with his his um, team selections, that it doesn't really matter that much what a player has done the game before. Yeah. He, he, he bases courses it, for courses. Yeah, he bases it off the opposition in front of them and tactically how he wants to set up. Yeah, and look, I think he what he'll want to have his best side out, and he'll want to blitz Norwich. I think that's the case. So he'll want to. Yeah. He'll be. He'll be. Uh, well, I do want to know. It's another question. I hope they do. <laughs> uh, yeah. Me too. Me too. Right. Um, a three-way of predictions this week, and because you've been horrific in your predictions, Keena, horrific, and I'm in much better. We're gonna. We're gonna give the the, the the last prediction to Mr. Paul Mansell, and he will be the person if whoever wins this week, it'll be Paul's score, um, and they're not gonna win one kit. Not gonna win two. Not gonna win three. I'm giving them a full tracksuit as well. Bloody three hell. kits. Home kit, away kit, third kit, and a full-on tracksuit. How's that? The, the pressure's on now, Paul. Also, the sales on it, better than me, anyway. <laughs> um, in the Wolves Club shop. So, um, I'll start, then Keener, then we'll leave the uh, the final prediction to, to Mr. Paul Mansell. Right, okay. I'm going to say I'm going to say that, that Wolves uh, get back to winning ways, thank goodness. Um, and I'm going to say, Wolverhampton Wanderers 4, Norwich City 1. Very close to what I was going to go with. Oh, shock. I'm going 3-1. 3-1. 3-1. 3-1, not Norwich. <laughs> 3-1, goodness me. You might be in charge by yeah. Liverpool if it were that. Pookiatric. And, um, and Paul, what's your one? No pressure on this. If Paul comes in on one one episode, nails the correct score, and we haven't done it all season, then what does that say about us? Well, I think he probably, we have to contact him to do the Liverpool one. Final, Absolutely, final, yeah, we'll call him in. We'll call him in. Do Call him in for that one as well. Excellent news. As long as he brings the coffees, that's fine. <laughs> Paul, what do you reckon? I'm perhaps not quite as optimistic as you two. I remember travelling to Norwich in Storm Arwen in uh, yeah. November for <laughs> an absolutely dreadful nil-nil. Went to the cup match in oh, February, God. which, by the way, is one of my real lowlights of the season. Yeah. I really wanted us to kick on in that competition. Yeah, same. What a poor showing that was. Mm-hmm. 
Nothing um, wrong with low lights when you're going a little bit grey, but carry on. So, based on our goal scoring record of one a game, I'm going to say that we're going to win 2 0. 2 0. And not get three or four like what you guys said. Okay, that's a good shout. Good that's, shout. that's a fair shout. He's a, he's, a, he's a good head. We go a bit crazy, a bit, bit wacky after an hour and 15 minutes recording. Solid. That's what we need on this podcast someone who's solid, dependable. You have to look me dead in the eyes when you're saying that. <laughs> do, do. Uh, Paul, thanks for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it. And thank you for your kind donation to charity for, for episode 200. Um, hope you've enjoyed it. Hope we're not too too ridiculous in the flesh. and too, It's going to go away now. I'm going to go, Christ, those two. Absolute but, lunatics. But one thing he did say is it, it, we're much better looking in the flesh. Oh, yeah, what a legend. Is it not about looking guys? Like it's <laughs> to be fair. It's a love in right at the end. <laughs> right, um... Fingers crossed, three points on Sunday from me, from Lee, and from Paul. Have a great weekend. Take care. Bye-bye.